0: Volume 2, Chapter 3 of The Seaboard Parish. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Everett. The Seaboard Parish by George MacDonald. Chapter 3 The Blacksmith. THE NEXT DAY I SET OUT AFTER BREAKFAST TO inquire ABOUT A BLACKSMITH. IT WAS NOT EVERY OR ANY BLACKSMITH THAT WOULD DO. I MUST NOT FIX ON THE FIRST TO DO MY WORK BECAUSE HE WAS THE FIRST. THERE WAS ONE IN THE VILLAGE, I SOON LEARNED, BUT I FOUND HIM AN ORDINARY MAN, WHO, I HAVE NO DOUBT, COULD shoe A HORSE AND AVOID THE QUICK, BUT FROM WHOM ANY GREATER DELICACY OF TOUCH WAS NOT TO BE EXPECTED inquiring further i heard of a young smith who had lately settled in a hamlet a couple of miles distant but still within the parish in the afternoon i set out to find him to my surprise he was a pale-faced thoughtful-looking man with a huge frame which appeared worn rather than naturally thin and large eyes that looked at the anvil as if it was the horizon of the world he had got a horseshoe in his tongs when i entered Notwithstanding the fire that glowed on the hearth, and the sparks that flew like a nimbus in eruption from about his person, the place looked very dark to me entering from the glorious blaze of the almost noontide sun, and felt cool after the deep lane through which I had come, and which had seemed a very reservoir of sunbeams. I could see the smith by the glow of his horseshoe, but all between me and the shoe was dark. "'Good morning,' I said." "'It is a good thing to find a man by his work. "'I heard you half a mile off or so, "'and now I see you, "'but only by the glow of your work. "'It is a grand thing to work in fire.' "'He lifted his hammered hand to his forehead courteously, "'and as lightly as if the hammer "'had been the butt-end of a whip. "'I don't know if you would say the same "'if you had to work at it in weather like this,' "'he answered. "'If I did not,' I returned, that would be the fault of my weakness and would not affect the assertion i have just made that it is a fine thing to work in fire well you may be right he rejoined with a sigh as throwing the horseshoe he had been fashioning from the tongs on the ground he next let the hammer drop beside the anvil and leaning against it held his head for a moment between his hands and regarded the floor it does not much matter to me he went on if I only get through my work and have done with it, no man shall say I shirked what I'd got to do. And then when it's over, there won't be a word to say again me, or-he did not finish the sentence, and now I could see the sunlight lying in a somewhat dreary patch, if the word dreary can truly be used with respect to any manifestation of sunlight, on the dark clay floor. I hope you are not ill, I said. He made no answer but taking up his tongs, caught with it from a beam one of a number of roughly finished horseshoes which hung there, and put it on the fire to be fashioned to a certain fit. While he turned it in the fire, and blew the bellows, I stood regarding him. This man will do for my work, I said to myself, though I should not wonder from the look of him if it was the last piece of work he ever did under the new Jerusalem. The smith's words broke in on my meditations. When I was a little boy, he said, I once wanted to stay at home from school. I had, I believe, a little headache, but nothing worth minding. I told my mother that I had a headache, and she kept me, and I helped her at spinning, which was what I liked best of anything. But in the afternoon, the Methodist preacher came in to see my mother, and he asked me what was the matter with me, and my mother answered for me that I had a bad head and he looked at me and as my head was quite well by this time i could not help feeling guilty and he saw my look i suppose sir for i can't account for what he said any other way and he turned to me and he said to me solemn like is your head bad enough to send you to the lord jesus to make you whole i could not speak a word partly from bashfulness i suppose for i was but ten years old so he followed it up as they say then you ought to be at school says he i said nothing because i couldn't but never since then have i given in as long as i could stand and i can stand now and lift my hammer too he said as he took the horseshoe from the forge laid it on the anvil and again made a nimbus of coruscating iron you are just the man i want i said I've got a job for you, down to Kilkhaven, as you say in these parts. What is it, sir, something about the church? I should have thought the church was all spick and span by this time. I see you know who I am, I said. Of course I do, he answered. I don't go to church myself, being brought up a Methodist, but anything that happens in the parish is known the next day all over it. "'You won't mind doing my job, though you are a Methodist, will you?' I asked. "'Not I, sir. If I've read right, it's the fault of the Church that we don't pull all alongside. "'You turned us out, sir. We didn't go out of ourselves. "'At least, if all they say is true, which I can't be sure of, you know, in this world.' "'You are quite right there, though,' I answered. "'And in doing so, the Church had the worst of it as all that judge and punish their neighbours have. But you have been the worst for it too, all of which is to be laid to the charge of the church. For there is not one clergyman I know, mind, I say, that I know, who would have made such a cruel speech to a boy as that the Methodist parson made to you. But it did me good, sir. Are you sure of that? I am not. Are you sure, first of all, it did not make you proud? are you sure it has not made you work beyond your strength i don't mean your strength of arm for clearly that is all that could be wished but of your chest your lungs is there not some danger of your leaving someone who is dependent on you too soon unprovided for is there not some danger of your having worked as if god were a hard master of your having worked fiercely indignantly "'as if he wronged you by not caring for you, "'not understanding you. "'He returned me no answer, "'but hammered momently on his anvil. "'Whether he felt what I meant, "'or was offended at my remark, "'I could not then tell. "'I thought it best to conclude the interview with business. "'I have a delicate little job that wants nice handling, "'and I fancy you are just the man to do it in my mind,' I said. "'What is it, sir?' "'he asked, in a friendly manner enough. "'If you will excuse me, "'I would rather show it to you than talk about it,' I returned. "'As you please, sir. "'When do you want me?' "'The first hour you can come.' "'Tomorrow morning?' "'If you feel inclined.' Mm, "'For that matter, I'd rather go to bed. "'Come to me instead. "'It's light work.' "'I will, sir, at ten o'clock.' "'If you please.' And so it was arranged. End of Volume 2, Chapter 3 Recording by Kenneth Everett